following is a teaching message from Shore Community Church. For more information on Shore, for our teaching resources, visit www.shore.org.nz. All right, so let me pray and then we're going to get into the message today. Lord, I just thank you so much for a chance to open up your word, to read what it is that you have taught us and to apply it to our lives. Um, Lord, I ask that you would speak through me and that your spirit would work and people's lives would be changed, not because of me, but because of you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so Reuben has been talking with you guys through the book of 1 Peter, and I get the privilege of exploring the second half of chapter 4, uh, where he is talking about, oh yeah, suffering again. So, okay, Peter seems to have a special fascination with this topic of suffering and specifically about persecution for being a Christian. And it's not because he's a sadist or has run out of material. It's because he, this was an incredibly relevant topic for the readers of his letter. Uh, like Reuben talked about a couple of weeks ago, the Christian, Christians in Peter's day were facing a lot of hostility for living the kind of life that rejected many of the pagan values and rituals of the days, like worshipping the emperor. It made Christians outcasts, and in many cases it made them outlaws as well. And as Reuben also mentioned, this is relevant to us today as well. Even though in New Zealand we don't face the kind of physical persecution the other Christians did, we're not really asked to worship Jacinda Ardern so much. So we don't face that kind of um, persecution in the same way, at least not yet. We still face an increasing amount of hostility from our culture. The values, the beliefs that come with faith in God are becoming increasingly disparate from the values and beliefs of our culture. And while we're not getting dragged out of churches and thrown into prison or worse, like is happening in a lot of places around the world at the moment, we are finding and will continue to find ourselves becoming outcasts in many areas of life, including the workplace, in our schools, maybe even in our whanos and families. I'm sure many of you are conjuring up stories and experiences and memories in your minds even as I speak. So the question again is before us, how do we respond to living in such a culture. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Ruben shared some great insights into how we can respond outwardly and engage and interact with a world that is becoming increasingly hostile towards us. He told us that we can do good things for people and we can speak up in certain situations. But in this passage here, I really believe Peter is taking a slightly different tact. In chapter 4, he's not talking so much about outward actions, but rather how do we respond internally to the challenges that we face as Christians? You see, I think we can sometimes spend all of our energy trying to figure out how to act and live outwardly in the face of persecution, but we spend precious little energy focusing on how this impacts us internally. Hostility and persecution from our culture, it hurts. It has a profoundly negative impact on the way that we see ourselves, the way that we see the world, and even the way that we see God. And if we neglect the internal impact, if we just try and sweep it under the rug or set it aside, 
those doubts and frustrations and hurts will begin to chip away at our strength and our faith. We may be actively involved in fighting the good fight and and we're doing good deeds and we're engaging the the culture in, in really powerful, effective ways, but we can still slowly become overcome by disillusionment, by fatigue. God doesn't want to see that happen. And so through his writer, Peter, he, sends out, he spends a bit of time here in this passage equipping us and teaching us to strengthen our hearts and our minds to be able to live strong, full, faithful lives. And his advice centers around shifting our perspectives. See, when we change the way that we see and understand what is going on, it changes, or at least it helps to change, the way that the events of the around us impact us internally. The way we see the world impacts the way the world impacts us. So there's a few different things that we can do. And the first is to shift from surprised to expectant. Listen to what Peter says in verse 12. He says, Dear friends, or beloved, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. You see, the verb here that he used is the same one used back in verse 4. This, don't think it's strange. Well, the world thinks it's strange that we don't join them in their reckless living. So Peter is telling us that we really ought to not be surprised that the people who think we should be living those sort of reckless lives will also react badly to us living godly lives. After all, as we've said, the values and the beliefs that we hold are fundamentally different than the world. And that brings out anger and hostility. Specifically, it is our belief that God is in ultimate control of our lives that I believe causes the greatest friction because it directly challenges the world's belief that we are in control of our lives. It may not be stated that way. People may not express it that way. But I believe that's really at the heart of the conflict that occurs. The very presence of our belief that God is in control incites this, this internal struggle in people as they war with the law of God that he placed in our hearts. Like Romans 1 said, he placed this law of God in our hearts. So we're drawn towards God as being God. And also the self centered sort of desire for us to be in control of our own lives. And they war with each other, and that war can create some very strong emotional responses, leading to hostility towards us and our faith, even from people close to us who love us. In fact, that may even bring out an even stronger response, which is why families can often be so harsh towards people in their family who are Christians. And maybe you've experienced that yourself. This is why Jesus warns us in John chapter 15. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind, it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. So we know that this world will come after us. The struggle is though, and I believe this negatively impacts us, Because we are often so blindsided by it. We don't expect it. It it comes out of left field. And I wonder if it's because, despite the fact that Jesus said, I've called you out of this world, 
and we don't belong to this world, and in our minds we kind of know that, we still see ourselves as part of this world, like we belong here. We feel like we're citizens of this culture, right? We are. We're citizens of New Zealand, or maybe you're a citizen of a different country. And because we're citizens of this culture, we should be treated with the same respect as everyone else. We want the same rights. We want to be treated the same way. We shouldn't be attacked for what we believe. And so we become offended and hurt and betrayed. And I'm not saying that we should be attacked. But what I am saying is Peter reminded us many times in his letter, we may hold passports to this physical country, but we are nothing more than exiles in this place. We may work here, build strong relationships here, live our lives here. But this is not where we belong. So this is the second shift. We need to shift our perspective from citizens to exiles. Listen to this way it plays out in verse 14 to 16. He says, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed, for the spirit of, gl of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal, uh, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name. See, if we keep our allegiance to this world, then we will bear the shame of living in contradiction to its values, won't we? But if our allegiance is with God, if we bear that name, if we fly that flag then we are blessed. We're living in honor. And the shame that culture puts on us falls away because it doesn't belong to us. Put it another way. If our hearts, if in our hearts, sorry, we are seeking the approval of our culture, we will not get it by living like a Christian. We will be disappointed. But if we are seeking the approval of God, then we will get that approval. The spirit of glory and of God will rest upon us, right? Now, of course, it has to be said, like it says in verse 15, if we're not living the right way, if we're, if we're outside of God's will in the way that we act, then yeah, we deserve our shame. <laughs> any, any other kind of criminal that he says is really actually more literally like an evildoer. So anything that we do, if we're doing evil, then we can't use our faith to kind of hide behind. So if we're using our faith to act hatefully or disrespectfully towards others, if we manipulate or oppress people, then there's no honor in that for us. That needs to be said. But if we are seeking to hold the truth of God and the love of God together, as Jesus taught us to, and if, we, if we're doing our best and yet still have hostility afflicted upon us because of that. That is actually honoring to us. We should thank God. Like, in, in, uh, like Peter and John in Acts chapter 4, thanking God that they were considered worthy of being flogged for Jesus. If we can embrace the role of exiles, if we can recognize both in our minds and in our hearts that it is Jesus that is the king that we are trying to impress, it's going to help mitigate the sense of betrayal or disappointment of being rejected by a hostile culture. Now, there is one more shift in perspective that Peter is talking about in this passage. And this one, it's a little harder to swallow. 
If you have a look at a couple of Peter's statements in the passage, in verse 12, especially in different translations, verse 12, he says this fiery ordeal or this, this trial that has come to test you. And then in verse 19, he says, So those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to, faithful, to their faithful creator and continue to do good. See, I believe Peter is trying to get us to shift our perspective from victim to student. See, in verse 12, when Peter refers to the hostility of our culture, he called it our fiery ordeal that tests us. Now, if that sounds a little familiar, it should. You may remember back in chapter 1, Peter said in verse 6 and 7, In all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you've had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness, genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. See, again, he's talking about these trials, this, this the stuff we're going through. It's like the refining fire that pulls out all of the dirt and all of the, um, the stuff out of gold and leaves a pure, refined product. Now, Peter's not suggesting that God is intentionally or... or, or orchestrating the culture to direct hostility towards us. He's not, you know, like giving them instructions on how to do that. But he is definitely using that hostility to refine our faith and to grow us as Christians. It's no coincidence that some of the strongest churches in the world are in places with some of the strongest persecution. Like coals to diamonds, that extra heat and pressure creates something beautiful and, and something strong out of us. Like gold in the fire, the persecutions we face, it recalibrates our priorities. It refines our choices. It helps us to truly understand what faith is all about and who God really is. So Peter tells us if we can shift our perspective from victims facing unnecessary trouble to students learning valuable lessons. We can not only survive a hostile culture, but we can thrive in it. It can help us grow stronger. So, this is the advice that Peter gives us on how to internally process the, the difficulties, the challenges, the persecutions that we face. To shift our perspective from Suffer, so from um, surprised to expectant, from citizens to exiles, and from victims to students. Essentially, it's shifting our, our vision, our understanding from what we see and perceive and understand as humans to what God is seeing and doing from His perspective. Now, is this going to take away all of the pain and the suffering that we might face? No. Unfortunately not. I wish it would. Persecution still sucks <laughs> and it still hurts. But a shift in perspective can help, us, can help us make peace with what's going on. It can teach us to rely on God, to help us understand what is really going on when we face hostility. If we can shift 
our perspective from ourselves and what we see around us to God and what he might be doing. It helps access that peace that he gives to us. So my prayer, my encouragement for you as you continue through the series, as you continue to face issues and challenges both worldwide and also specifically to you for being a Christian, as you live in a culture that becomes more and more hostile, more or less and less understanding of your beliefs and your values, and the pressure rises against you, I encourage you from Peter's heart, from God's heart, from my heart, shift your perspective. Shift the way that you see and understand it. See it from God's point of view. And that will give us the strength that we can, that we need to stand up under it. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you that we have your word. That we have special writers like Peter who have taken your instructions and have penned them down and given them to us. We thank you that you were overseeing all of that. So everything that we read is what you want us to hear. So Lord, help us to understand that in in our lives and as we face difficulties, and maybe we haven't yet, but maybe we have, that we know that this is not something we need to be surprised at. It's not something that should undercut us or, or break us down. But Lord, it can teach us. Um, It can help us grow closer to you, but we need your strength in that. So give us strength and, and help us to process what's going on internally so that it doesn't overwhelm us and disillusion us and disappoint us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.